Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast, where we look to bring a fresh vision of spiritual life by nurturing a vibrant, evolving, and sustainable life with God in nature. Celtic spirituality is an ancient tradition of seeing God in everyone and in everything. Welcome to the Celtic Way podcast. Here we are, Scott. This is a brand new year. First podcast of 2022. We survived 2021, although it felt like barely at times. But here we are, a fresh new year, a fresh new start, and excited to hear where we're going. So lead us, fearless leader. All right, here we go. I want to go back to my Celtic roots. I want to go back to where it began and just share from my heart with people about what attracted me to this. And then probably in the second episode for January, I'm going to get to what sustains me. What do I still find life-giving? But I, I want to start here because there may be some listeners out there who maybe are tuning in for the first time or, or are brand new to all this. And I want them to be able to sense my sense of excitement and joy and wonder and what really turned me on and really got me going, because maybe that will work for them as well, right? So it's one big sharing that's going to lead to an invitation. Yeah, because I think if someone were to listen to this podcast or listen to you talk about Celtic Christianity, the way you so freely speak of it it would be easy to assume this has just been your life forever, but right. you you stumbled into this, you know, well into adulthood, if my memory uh, serves me right. Well into adulthood in my <laughs> 50s, yeah. Yeah. So just a couple of years ago then, right? Oh, yeah, right. Thanks for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so well into my adulthood, probably in my 50s. So without going into radical detail about this story, it was at the end of a long pastoral workday. And it was snowing outside. I think it was February. And we, Chris and I, had made arrangements to go with these people from church to go down to St. John's Cathedral, where my wife works, and listen to a Celtic speaker named John Philip Newell, whom I honestly had never heard of. And it was at the end of a very long day. I was tired, and I was—I might have been grumpy, if you can imagine that I would ever get. I doubt it. I can't even imagine. And I came home, and I said to her, in one way or another, I think— you know, I don't think I really want to go tonight. I'm really tired. And very calmly, she just looked at me, but with a very firm voice, she goes, well, there's a couple of things you got to change. And I said, like what? She says, one is your attitude. And second are your clothes, because we are going. So you need to go upstairs, change, get ready, and we need to go. When she's like that, Matt, arguing would not do any good. So change clothes, go. We don't get down there until like a few minutes before the thing is getting ready to start which bugs me because I've got to be early and that's on time, right? If you're on time, you're late. And I owe that to my dad, who was a Marine Corps sergeant. So we get there and of course, there's no place to sit except in the front, right? I don't know what it is about Christian people. They just can't sit in the front, but there we were stuck sitting in the front and I've got my little pad and my pen and I'm sitting around looking at all these people and I'm like, what the heck am I doing here? Some Celtic thing? Don't what is that? And I've never heard of this guy. And so he's introduced the author of many books, has spoken all over the world. And I'm like, okay, well that's interesting. So he starts talking and I'm writing and my hands cramping because I'm writing, trying to keep up with them. And I realize it's not going to happen. So I'm just sitting back and I'm spellbound. I'm just listening to John Phillips' words and what he's talking about. I'm like, wow. 
And then at the break, I do what I always do when I encounter something new that's both life-giving and disturbing. Because it was part of me was like pushing back inside, right? I'm not saying anything, but I'm pushing back about, and I'll get to it. But some of the things he's saying, like, is this heresy? And then there's this whole part of me inside that's going, yeah, this is it. This is <laughs> true. I know it's true. So I bought books. I bought like three books and I put them underneath my seat, sat down and listened to the second half of the lecture. And I just got to tell you, when he started talking about the whole Christian journey, isn't about finding a cure for original sin, personal salvation, and making sure you go to heaven. But it's about peeling back the onion, about uncovering what is the truest part of our very selves, ourselves. The very truest part is that we are created in the image of God. That's a contradictory statement to everything I know I grew up in. And I'm guessing the same with you is that I felt like original sin has always kind of been shoved down my throat and getting to heaven is priority number one. And setting that aside, I agree with you. When I first ever considered that felt nothing short of heretical. (laughs) Right. You know, And I'm sitting here, of course, there's like five other parishioners from our parish there, and I'm like, and I can't see them, right? And I'm, I'm like, God, I wonder what the heck they're thinking. And I have these books, but he's really hitting it on this thing about God created us in the image of God. Do you think that there's something that you are stronger in something that you could do to destroy that image completely? Now, there's a thought. And it's not that he's discounting sin. Not at all. But he's just saying that's not our truest self. And that in and of itself is liberating. It's freeing. It's challenging, you know. But that was the first bell that was struck inside of me. I mean, that just resonated something beyond my reason, something beyond all my academic, biblical studies, all my theological training. There was something else ringing inside of me that said, yes. Yeah. When I first had a realization similar to that, which doesn't sound, I don't think mine was quite as profound as yours. Mine was a bit more of a process, but I think the best way that I could describe it when people ask me about it to this day is I felt like there was a moment when I realized that my goal was to pursue God as opposed to trying to run away from sin. And so it's like running toward love as opposed to running away from fear, I guess, is the easiest way that I could say it. Such a good way to language that. I really appreciate that. That really is. That is so good. I love that. And then he starts talking about personal experiences. If you just trust that you're created in the image of God, that's your truest self, then God really is personally involved and alive in your life, which I knew, but from a very different place. And But then he was like, yeah, you can really trust your personal experiences with this God who loves you and is within you. And, and I was like, trusting my personal experiences. And of course, there's another little voice going on at the same time. It's like, well, sure you can if they match the dogma of the church and they agree right. with scripture. And, you know, and I'm like, but then there's another part of me that got triggered by the image of God thing. And it's, 
it's this intuitive part. It's like knowing deeply from your heart. It's like, no, this is true. And almost in a flash, I had these, these pictures, these short little videos of experiences that I had had with God that I knew were God. And I did trust them. They weren't a battle for me. And I started thinking, started wondering about, wow, what if I lived my whole life like that? What would I be like? Who would I become? How would I relate to God differently? And it was just, it was freeing, joy-filled. It was liberating. And I was struggling. You know, some of that old theological stuff just kept welling up. Eh, but I'll get to that. The third thing he said was just really, <laughs> I think it aggravated me as much as it did give me life, but he mm-hmm. talked about how God was clearly revealed in nature. In fact, nature, if you just do this metaphorically, was the first book of Revelation. And Scripture was the second book of Revelation. And then he would dare to say things like, and if you read them together and read them from a heart-centered place, they will say the same thing. (laughs) It's like, okay, now what in God's name does that mean? (laughs) You know? I always thought that to be an interesting topic as well. My whole spiritual journey started with nature in so many ways. That was more important to me than my time in a church building. But if we think about this, our modern perception of Christianity or spirituality is so rooted in the Bible and in scripture, but that wasn't always readily available. That's a pretty modern thing that we have going for us, whereas nature has always been readily available to every human being ever. So it makes sense if God had any sort of logic at all, that he would choose to use nature. Isn't that true? Yeah. So I'm just so intrigued with all these things that I have pushed aside. And yet, as I came back to my office the next day and, and really began reading, just pouring through these books as fast as I can and writing and notes and really studying and just entered into this internal fray that was going on inside of me because here i am as a pastor of an ecumenical catholic community you know and i'm going through this enormous transition and change within and yet on sunday morning you gotta say something you know (laughs) the scriptures are read and it's time you've just gotta open your mouth and say something and so that first year i feel even more sorry for the people who sat in the chairs every Sunday and probably listened to somebody who was like, you're not consistent, you're not coherent, what's going on with you, you know? A lot of people, even right now, are going through kind of transitions of faith, which is, I think, a very exciting thing. And yeah, But I don't think anybody, unless you go through it, nobody will ever know what that's like when you're going through that transition of thought and faith. And then you have to, you're expected to go up on a Sunday and say something that makes any sense to anybody, (laughs) but you know, very well, there's so many boundaries you can't cross without losing your position or your job. It was, it was a struggle, but it was a life-giving struggle, but it was a struggle. And I just pulled in like one or two people close to me 
to share this struggle, this journey with them, which I didn't even know was a Celtic thing to do, to grab an Anamkara, a soul friend, and bear your soul. Because without that, seriously, I, I don't know, I might have just given up on the whole thing, or I might have just been left with wondering and incomplete thoughts and really deep questions. Now, I know we've done a podcast on Anamkara, and it's actually one of the most downloaded podcasts that we've ever done. Is it the same person? Was was that the same person that you still consider that today? Yeah, Dig Chen, who is now 80 years old. We've been doing this for 26, 27 years. Wow. And the other person, very unlike Dig, is our executive director, Terry Thompson, who was might have been the president of our church council at the time, <laughs> you know, and I'm telling her about all this stuff. It's interesting because Dig really came back at it from a theological, he's quite the theologian in my mind, a lay theologian. He was also a librarian in a theological library for a number of years, very well read, very articulate. And he began doing some research too, which I didn't always have time to do. And man, the stuff that he uncovered was so helpful and just really, really gave me a foundation now for this change that was going on. And on the other side of the coin, almost like two sides of a person, here's Terry, who doesn't really enjoy reading anything theological and doesn't think theologically, but acts totally intuitively. And she was one who went with us that night. And she's like resonating like, yes, yes, you know. And so I get I get this stereo going on, but both affirming and both very helpful from very different viewpoints. Part of my reasoning is to, Matt, just like you said, there's so many people going through transition right now. So many of my Christian friends who over the years have said to me, gosh, we've just stopped going to church. A little difficult, Scott, for me to tell you that. And I'm a retired pastor right now, but I, <laughs> I get it. You know, and, it's, and they're struggling to hold on to their Christianity if they're even trying to do that. They believe in God, no doubt about it, but just so much of the doctrine and dogma of the church and sort of the literalist reading of a Bible that's just not helpful. And they're just like, we're really struggling, even in our prayer life. So in this way, it's timely for all of us who I think are called to struggle with our spiritual journey. But this is a way that takes us not only through the struggle, but brings us to a place where I think is authentic. It's definitely historic Christianity. And all the things I could say and that are written about the Celtic viewpoint of nature, bringing us the message of God and trusting our human experience and understanding that God's image is living, active, deep within us and guiding and speaking to us. That's renewal, baby. And one of the things that uh, I find interesting is that a lot of people, when they're experiencing what you explained so well of people just kind of struggling with Christianity or the church, a lot of times thoughts that arise in Celtic spirituality, Celtic Christianity, because of dogma, because of tradition, will get kind of pawned off as new age spirituality when the truth is it's so rooted historically, far more so than any of our modern forms of Christianity that we see today. Yeah, for sure. I want to, I mean, I could go on all day with this, but I wanted this kind of bring this to an end. If you go to the Celtic Way 
website, so CelticWay.org. You can see in there that we do some classes the second and fourth Thursday every month, beginning at six o'clock Rocky Mountain time. And I'm just going to say to you, if you want to sign up for those classes, you're not sure what you're getting into, don't worry about the fee. Send me an email at scott at CelticWay.org, and I'll send you a Zoom invite, and you're welcome to come. We are in the process of just beginning to read a book together called Water from an Ancient Well by Kenneth McIntosh. We're using the chapters, literally, we're using the chapters as a launching pad, as a springboard for a larger conversation in the subjects that the chapters bring to bear. So it's not like a book club. We're not just looking at the book. We're taking the topic of each chapter and we're going to explore them in depth. And it's quite a group. There are master's degree people on here and people who have been in this spirituality longer than I have. The conversation, the teaching, and the listening comes from everybody. It's a very rich experience, and I hope you'll consider joining us. And it's not just people with master's degrees either. It's lay people like like myself that could, with no master's degree, with no a master's bachelor's degree. degree in music education, I could come in there and you share my You could rock and roll with cents. us. You bet. And would love to have you and, and anybody else who wants to come. You can try it out for a few times free of charge because uh, I really want people to experience the life-giving essence and the renewal I found in my own Christian faith here. And let's just be honest, ecology is the number one issue in the world today. This is a form of Christianity that calls us to a new way of looking at nature and therefore a better way of relating to, with, and for nature and for ourselves. Imagine if all Jesus followers grabbed onto this portion of nature and the importance of it, what that would do to change the trajectory of where our world is going in regards to ecology right now. I think it would be world altering if we could grab onto this. And the classes, you know, podcasts are great, books are great. But one of the things that is so rich about the Christian tradition in general, but certainly Celtic Christianity, is the conversation. That's yeah. where true life can come. And that's what these classes can offer is dialogue around the subject. Because right now you might be listening to this podcast. It's a one-way conversation. If you're talking back to us, we can't hear you. And right. so to be able to sit with Scott and digest some of this and have a give-take conversation, that could truly be life-giving and life-changing. Yeah. And they'll love listening to people in the class and the conversation they provide as well. It's a great group. And the other thing I want to say and mention in closing is that we did a class on Celtic small faith community. And I said to you, we're going to try and start one of those. Well, it starts as a grassroots movement. There's other people that want this too. And we had our first Zoom meeting talking about what that might look like, how often we might meet, what would we study, would we pray, how can we give back. And then on the 22nd, we'll have our second meeting. And I think it's going to happen. It sounds like it already is happening. It's happening, and I'm really, really excited about it. 
it's not going to replace their going to church. It's just going to supplement it. So. Or if it does replace it, that's okay as well, you know, because everybody's on their own journey and different things are important in different ways. Yeah. And, and so I think it's beautiful. And I hope that as you kind of unfold that journey for us, that there will be people who listen, who are inspired to do the same in, in their own communities with their I own hope so too. circles of people. There's nothing like sharing the Christian journey intimately with, with a few people, with a group of people that you can get to know and to share your struggles with, share your prayer requests with, share a missional feeding activity, clothing activity, housing activity. I mean, there is something about knowing the people well that you're journeying with. So important, so life-giving. And I, I believe it's a direct way that we can follow Jesus as well, because when Jesus started his ministry, the first thing he did was gather a small group of people around him. His focus always seemed to be on that small, close group of people, because I think he was showing us that that is where true transformation and rich conversation actually happens. Yeah. And some healthy accountability and, and encouragement and joy and yeah, celebration. Who wants to celebrate by themselves? I mean, Right. That's why Guinness comes in an eight pack, right? You gotta have friends. <laughs> okay, my friend, we're off to a good start for the year. And I'm glad those of you who are listening today have joined us. I hope you'll come back and give our class on Thursday nights a, a thought. And in the show notes, we will put a direct link to the website. And I'll also make sure to include Scott's email in there if you're interested in jumping on board with that class, because I'm positive that it will be transforming and helpful and meaningful. Thanks, Matt. To support the Celtic Way podcast, be sure to subscribe to it, give it a five-star rating, and write a review. And if you'd like to become a sustaining member, please go to our website at www.celticway.org. Find us on Facebook at Celtic Way.